3,000 people in the room, a hundred lights in your face, a dozen TV cameras pointed at you, 12 million people watching on TV, and four judges who decide if this is the beginning or the end of the road for you. Welcome to another episode of Rockstar Violinist, the podcast from Electric Violin Shop that brings you the biggest stars in the business. Please do us a favor, subscribe, comment, and share with your friends. You have no idea how much that helps. Brian King Joseph is a big star. He was a well-known guy in certain circles before 2018, but his season on America's Got Talent propelled his career to a level very few people reach. He's also a perfect example of the myth of the quote, overnight success. Brian had spent his entire life preparing for this audition. We're going to listen to the reaction in just a second. We're, we're still in the middle of a lockdown for COVID-19, so Brian and I had a Skype call to record this conversation. The audio quality is, well, Skype, but I think you'll agree that the content is worth it. Brian is a super energetic stage persona, but I think you'll find that behind that, he's a real thinker. A guy who has a serious intentionality behind everything he does. I've been impressed with how quick he is to give credit to people around him for his success while he's the one sticking his neck out. As we're listening now, he's just finished his audition and he's overwhelmed with emotion. Heidi Klum is walking around the table and comes up to give him a big hug. The crowd, as you can hear, is going bananas. We're going to listen to the judges and then get on to our chat with Brian King Joseph, rock star violinist. I mean, wow. I felt your music. I love you. I love your smile. You just have it. And Thank I'm so you happy so much, that you came Heidi. today. Thank you, Heidi. Thank you so much. Now, that amount of talent and that much charisma, and you lit this whole entire stage up. Thank you so you much. You are amazing, 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 amazing. Thank you. So good. Thank you, Mel. You're so good. Simon? You know, you have an incredible energy unbelievable obviously determination yeah. what a fantastic attitude you've got to life you know your smile when you were performing it's very infectious i think this is my favorite audition today thank you simon thank you so i'm gonna start the voting with a big fat yes yes <laughs> thank you heidi simon i'm saying yes Yes, 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 thank you. Four yeses. Life is good, I can't complain, man. I've been working on working on my music to be released and trying to get by during these times like everybody else is, so, you know, finding ways to make up for the time that I'd usually be on the road. It's really interesting, but I think it's a, it's always, a, it's always a journey. It's always an adventure, right? Man, it's, you know, we always think that we know that we've got a little control over what's happened in our world, but we don't. None. 
<laughs> that's uh, I, I've learned, I think, just to kind of roll with the punches because uh, it can kind of feel like you're getting punched all the time. So, uh, yeah. you know, learning to take a punch is uh, actually one of the more important skills I've, I've been working with. But I, I got to say everything you can look at the bright side. So I think during this time, I've seen a lot of people, not just me, go back to content creation. Right. And um, that's a beautiful thing to see on the Internet. And then you've got a bunch of new options starting to come out because of this resurgence of people finding new ways to make money through their art. Uh, and then you have people like Facebook and YouTube all of a sudden saying, hey, we're going to figure out how to pay you guys for these live concerts. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing I think a lot of people don't really know is that uh, America's Got Talent didn't take you from from obscurity to being in the public eye. You were already a pretty famous guy. I mean, you were pretty <laughs> successful on YouTube before America's Got Talent. Now, you hit another gear. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I mean, I guess fame is, uh, I would say it's relative, right? Um, in the time before I was on America's Got Talent, YouTube, yeah, you're right. YouTube very much was that that uh, platform for me, as it still is. Where, you know, at the end of the day, that's that's a huge, huge platform. I mean, Justin Bieber made it on on YouTube. You got a ton of people doing that, and to have just a bunch of views and stuff. I don't know if I'd call that fame, really, uh, but to be able to be exposed to that many people already, and then kind of going into it, I. I don't know, man. I, I I think it all just kind of prepares you for the next step. There's always a next step, you know, uh, especially in a craft like ours, like where we're playing violin. I mean, gosh, it just it never, ever, ever ends. So enjoying those crazy runs like the I remember the first time I got a million views on YouTube. I was I was I was ecstatic. I think I was I was over the moon. I started um, <laughs> I started like emailing emailing people like uh emailing labels i was like here it goes man i'm 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 getting signed you know i'm out of here guys <laughs> and uh <laughs> um and you know then it just turned out that oh i actually have to you know do a bunch of those and then you get noticed by somebody like america's got talent and then you know here we are i'm still working with both things though you know trying to be better at youtube um trying to be a better performer in the in the public eye whether it be on tv or the internet yeah no doubt mm -hmm. yeah i remember i guess some of your early youtube stuff like when you got your first aurora violin that wasn't even the start for you. you'd already been rolling on youtube for a while oh yeah um that i when i got the aurora violin which was oh man probably one of the most exciting purchases for me i i think that's when we first you and i first had a really in-depth conversation like we we were emailing back and forth i think we have this long email chain i can look back on yeah. and um where you were you were really and you guys i gotta i gotta shout out electric violin shop because um that was just a time where the financial my financial situation was not exactly in the place where i could afford a brand new aurora violin straight up um and you guys were nice enough you specifically kind of reached out and made it work for me and i was able to kind of uh i think we did a payment plan and it 
it, it was it was exciting, man. I've I think I've got a ton of violins now, but getting that first Aurora was really exciting for me. And um, gosh, before that, before that, I've been on YouTube. What? It's been six years now. Um, I've been doing this stuff, but the Aurora was the start of a time for me. I think where. I really finally loved the tone of a violin, um, mm-hmm. you know, and it felt so cool. Uh, and and then so coincidentally, that's the violin that I used on the first uh, audition, you know, on America's Got Talent, where we went viral and, you know, millions of people saw it and everything. And every time I look at that video, that violin is, is just so special. I still have it. It's right here. Oh, wait. I thought it was right behind me. But it's, a different, <laughs> it's a different Aurora. You got so many, you can't keep track of them. I'm, you know what? I can't, I can never have enough. I wanna, That's right. I want to have as many as I can. I've never met a guitar player that thought he had enough guitars. Yeah. Uh, all my, all my good friends who are guitar players uh, in the, in the game and you go over to their houses and they've got just racks and I, I you know, I, I'd like to do the same. Yeah, I mean, they're all different. They all have their own personalities. And, you know, that's a question I get all the time. Well, which one's the best one? I go, I mean, what's the best kind of car? I don't know. It depends no, on what you yeah. need right now. It's all it's all up to exact exactly. I used to think, you know, a lot of, I used to think that way, too, about violins. I was like, oh, yeah, what's the best one? And then right around that time when I started, finally, I think I got my third violin. I said, oh, it's not a matter of what's the best. This is These are characters. Yeah. You're, yeah <laughs> you know um what what's the best character in the fighting game doesn't whoever whoever it's not about the character it's about who's playing them right right yeah, um, yeah i remember seeing yeah. those i was you know obviously you and i were corresponding when you got your first aurora from us and, and i was watching your videos and was thinking man this guy he's got a different thing to because i see man if you had any idea how many videos i watch in a given day <laughs> You know, people are always hitting me up, so I'm always looking people up, right? So yeah. I watch an insane number of videos, and there's just there's always something, there's a thing, and you know what I'm talking about. That some people have it, and some people don't. And yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of the, the the hardcore classical people think that it's about technique, and yeah. <laughs> you have to have there's a baseline level of technique you've got to have in order to communicate your ideas, right? Of course. But past that. Sometimes it can be a little bit of a waste, depending on what you're trying to do. I yeah, there's a there's a ceiling for sure, right? Uh, where the technicality, your technical skill becomes outweighed when you're trying to make something new. Technical skill only goes so far, you know. I can, I can, I can go give something to you know a chinese factory and say hey reproduce this perfectly consistently and they'll do it right but if i want to get something that's the new product on the market i want to get something that's different uh i don't i can't go to that chinese market i can't go to that chinese factory i'm going to need to go to a designer right i'm going to need to i'm going to need to go to somebody with a creative mind who can then you know integrate that with that factory so um one of my favorite quotes that i hope will be in a book somewhere when i write it right is uh you got to learn the rules so then you can break it 
Yeah. Bo- both parts are equally as important. I, I don't say that either is more important than the other. You must equally importantly learn the rules. You got to learn the rules. Then you have to break them. You got to. And it doesn't mean break the rules and just never, never look back, you know. But experimentation is is all about, you know, essentially breaking into new things and putting it back together or what have you. Right. I mean, I tell my students about like those rules we talk about different stuff in theory, music theory, that you've got to learn what these conventions are so that when you break these conventions, you know you're breaking a convention, you know how you're breaking a convention, and you know why you're breaking a convention. I've decided that, you know, the, the parallel fist thing, you know, never write music with parallel fists. Well, you know, guitar mm-hmm. players in, in punk rock go, hey, look at me, everything's in <laughs> parallel fists. But it was wow. an intentional decision to violate that rule for a reason. I can't believe that. That's a that's a real rule. And um, and you know what? I think it's stuff like that where I get a little, I feel a little incredulous, right? I feel I feel like how how ridiculous. What a it, it's archaic, right? Because you're exactly right. I mean, I grew up listening in your face heavy rock music, and if you were to tell anybody in that scene not to play fifths i mean i mean you're you, <laughs> i don't even know how to put it. you're you're trying to feed <clears throat> i don't know you're trying to feed pineapples to a fish you it's alien to them right it's they they have, they have no idea what you're talking about and i think that so many people i'll meet them and they'll say something common right violin is actually my favorite instrument in the music that i listen to right and Something that it's about when you talk about it, I think it's relatability, um, and it has a lot to do with being able to push things forward. And you can't push things forward if you're constantly only obsessing about technique, which technically is I, it's it's just that it, it's only one side of it, and a lot of classical violinists or or even jazz violinists and you have to be honest with yourself about what really is important is it are we here to be violinists and be just part of the flock or are we here to be the next beethovens are we here to be the next um paganinis right are we here to be the writers of our generation and contribute to our string zeitgeist, if you would. <laughs> that's, that's how I think about it sometimes. Here's a bit of his arrangement of the Billie Eilish tune, Everything I Wanted. The video was filmed in his studio in Los Angeles, so be sure to find it on YouTube when you're done here.
Yeah, and talking about technique, you're not a guy who just like picked up a violin and went, oh, I'll sort of figure this out. You're a Berkeley guy. Yeah, I, I, I went to, I would say, the most technical school for, for modern uh, string playing or any other instrument. And, you know, before that, you know, a lot of rigorous by the book um, learning, you know, I went through the books, I learned the techniques and uh, it was very important to me to have those down. But at a certain point, I just kind of want to live in, in the real world and technique isn't everything, man. Technique only goes so far. I can't tell you how many competitions, classical competitions that I've won playing a less technical song, but with more feeling. And, mm. you know, people, violin is a beautiful instrument. Cello strings are, are beautiful instruments. They sound most close to the human voice. Uh, and there's something to be said there. We can really reinvent something. And Technically, I am. I look. I went to an all-star school, right? Like I went to Berkeley. I've been around really good people in my field, and while I'm I'm good, I can count on my hands and your hands and a lot of other people's hands how many people who are just astronomically better than me on a technical level, um, and that's the reality of an instrument that's this complex. Uh, and that's, there's merit to that, but there's also, I'm just not interested in trying to do something as well as it's already been done. I have Hilary Hahn CDs. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> you know, I, I listen to Isak uh, Perlman religiously. Um, I'm very happy with these things. Uh, now I'd like to contribute to you know, having the next generation continue to be as interested as I have been, you know, and somebody among us is going to write that next Mendelssohn concerto. I can't wait to see who it's going to be. And you know what? It might have 808s in it, and I'm completely okay with that. That'd be badass. That would be cool. So when did you start playing the violin? Were you a little kid? I was, I was a wee one, four. four years okay. Old. Yeah. And you come from a musical family? Um, yes and no. Uh, my parents are not musical. We used to joke that my mom plays the radio, but they put us in uh, musical, uh, they put us in music from the age of four. All, all of us started piano and violin at the age of four. Uh, they offered it as uh, a group class at our schools, and we immediately just went with that. I think holding the violin is my first memory, for sure, yeah. Uh, so it's kind of, I, I would, I would definitely re recommend it. I think there's something to be said about being able to start as early as you can, just like a language. Yeah, no doubt. So Suzuki yeah. trained and did you play in a school orchestra coming up too? Oh yeah. School orchestra, group lessons, all of that. And, you know, I went to, I eventually made it to the, once I turned like, uh, maybe nine, 10, nine or 10. Uh, you know, start moving up into advanced group and, um, you know, moving through the Suzuki ranks, they kind of have levels through it. And eventually you just kind of, we had that whole competition, you know, just uh, trying to gun for first chair, trying to gun for, for first violin, you know, and uh, it's, 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 it was healthy. You know, I enjoyed the community, played a lot of church, a lot of okay. church stuff. 
Yeah. Now, where'd you grow up then? Not L.A. No, no, I wasn't that cool. Um, <laughs> I grew up in um, just outside of D.C., so Maryland, D.C. area. And uh, we would actually, so the school that we went to that offered the, this program was, uh, it was, it was affiliated with uh, a church as well, right next to it. So we would go to the church as well and often have performances there. And that's where my first performances, that and recitals, you know, would take place. Yeah, I think that's a super common refrain. I mean, I can't count how yeah. many string players like, well, I played in church every Sunday or I played, you know, learning how to read music and learning how to read different clefs. You know, mm-hmm. we're put a throw mm-hmm. a hymnal up in front of you and and the curious kids are like, what's this funny? That don't look like a treble clef. What's that? What are those oh. notes? How do I figure <laughs> that out? You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Seeing, yeah. Seeing, um, you know, looking, looking over at the, the wind section and, and just seeing some crazy clef and <laughs> being like, what? going on here i thought you know and there's that healthy competition that's what i love that healthy competition between like the strings the woodwinds and the brass right and everybody's just trying to well we're cooler than you no we're more important than you (laughs) (laughs) um so i i i had a great time doing that stuff you know i did the string summer camps as well uh they had a thing out out there um in dc out by the national basilica i think it was a really 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 that's where I first learned how to improvise. There was improvis- improvisation class. Let me just tell you something. I was so, at that point, I think I was about eight or nine. And I was, I was for my age group, I was really good. I started getting placed in advanced classes. I was feeling like, you know, pretty hot, pretty cool, pretty cool guy on campus. And um, everything I was doing, I was killing it, right? Orchestra, they were, I was below my age group, but I, uh, they were moving me up and, uh, private lessons they're raving about me I get to imp- improv and I think I'm gonna do great and I have never felt that was the first time I felt dejected <laughs> my first time because <laughs> I didn't get it I did not understand it I'm I'm sitting there in this class I'm going through the motions I couldn't even tell you today what we were learning but it was something just really basic about you know maybe just walking in between fifths and um, I, I didn't I didn't really get it I knew I sounded bad <laughs> And I walked out after doing this thing for like a week. And I was think I remember thinking to myself, man, just stick to the classical man. Improvisation is not for you. You suck at it, you know? And I, Cause I was already getting pretty decent. Uh, I think I was in book four at this point. It's getting decent at um, playing classical music. You know, and that's the thing you get into a groove, right? When you're learning. And that's great. You need to get into that groove. Uh, but it was around that time, all of a sudden my plane took, a, a slow but steady uh, merge to the next level, right? I was actually moving more and expressing myself so much more in my vibrato, in my uh, techniques, the way I would cross strings. And it translated, and I would start to see the judges' comments talking about it. And all of a sudden, a few years later, when, you know, it's this crazy moment, all of this stuff kind of clicked for me, I realized off of one class, off of it kind of unlocking a key there in my brain, allowing me to think outside of the box for just a 30-minute class, maybe five times out of a week, I think it was, uh, years later had impacted me to this great extent. When I, when I learned improvisation, when it finally hit me, I didn't, I didn't think about it, but it definitely stemmed from those, from those early days. So I think it's in everybody, you know, uh, we 
can forget as string players that we're a lot more than just the music that's put right in front of us. No doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask you when when did you really sort of discover the the need to to be super expressive and super entertaining? I mean, that's one of the things that really comes out. Obviously, I'm sure you hear that all the time. I know Lindsay Sterling said that you were the highest energy person she's ever shared a stage with. Uh, yeah, and I got to give it back to her, by the way. Uh, she is a phenom. I mean, an absolute, uh, like, like she was made in an amazing lab somewhere. I'm kidding. She's a real person. We've actually um, have had like these great talks about what it's like. I was surprised when I met her because I bet you a lot of people watching this will say, hmm, you know, what is Lindsay? you know, like, and I, I'll, I'll say right off the bat, what a real and genuine person. I, I really expected, cause she's Lindsay Sterling, you know, why would she even care about, you know, saying anything to anybody, but really for her to know what I'm about and kind of mesh with it. She's such a great performer. I think I learned so much from her just being on stage with her and seeing that energy super cool to be able to quote unquote keep up with her right um i think that was a that was kind of a telling moment for me i was like oh okay i i can do this and you know i may be i may be sweating sweating my face off right now but (laughs) i can do this i can do this (laughs) so um man it it it, what a moment yeah (laughs) what a great moment Speaking of Lindsay Sterling, here's a piece of Brian's performance with her on America's Got Talent. Make some noise for Brian King Joseph with the sensational Lindsay Sterling. Yeah. What? Yeah. What point did you sort of realize in your training that that hey, this this is high energy persona? Because you know we've talked a bunch of times, and and you're you're a regular dude, you're a chill cat, but but I know when when that violin lands in your hand, there's a switch that flips. And at, at <laughs> one point, did you find that switch? You know, um, Brock. You know what? Okay, this is really interesting uh, because I think it came at the point 
that it came from a bad situation in my life that I was actually had stem that stemmed. Um, so back in, uh, back when I was about 16, I think it was, yeah, 16, um, times were hard. I fa- my family wasn't really doing well. Uh, like my mom was working, just working her butt off and, um, we were struggling just to make rent, you know, everything. And, uh, I didn't even have a violin at this point, a full-size violin, because we had just really fallen on some hard times as a family. And we didn't, you know, it's just, we are just in the rough of it, you know, it happens. And I decided to myself that after working these terrible jobs that I really couldn't stand, I said, for minimum wage, I said, okay, let me just uh, take my violin out onto the street and see if I can not my violin, actually, it was my sister's violin, my older sister's violin. Uh, I borrowed it from her, and she's she has she had a really, I think it was a Claire or something. Mm-hmm. Was, um, and she was, she was like, you better not <laughs> do anything to this. Um, I wasn't known to be the most, uh, you know, like, I would maybe mess up somebody else's things if you weren't careful so i was like no i promise i promise um and i i'm true to my word i was because violins are sacred to me but luckily enough so i i go out into the middle of dc right after people are getting off from the train um i played for about two hours i think i made three hundred dollars and this is back in like 2000 like four or something like that or 2000 sorry, 2008 yeah 2008 like this is back when like the housing market was terrible and all this stuff right and uh I made I made like three hundred dollars and I was like oh wow okay um, I'm gonna I'm gonna quit my job and it was during that time when I was playing out on the streets for people I noticed look I I'm gonna get I'd get a dollar um I if I'm playing with my neck down and I'm looking down at my strings like this you know and 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 I've got my eyes closed and I'm swaying and that's really nice and everything which is how I was taught to play, but what's a lot better is to open my eyes and engage with the person because they might drop me a dollar. Right. <laughs> a lot a lot more likely you're going to get that dollar if your eyes meet with that person, 100%, because if they don't, you know, you know, it's just, it's you, it's about you being visible and, and, uh, and saying, hey, I'm not here just for background, you know, I, this is, this is a concert, stop, sit down, stay a while. And that was always my goal is to get people, I would play at this fountain and I would want people instead of walking by to say, you know what, let me sit down and take a rest. This is perfect. I'm going to eat a snack or whatever. And uh, it, it just made me realize when I'm, when I'm more outgoing and I, I'm playing for people as opposed to playing for myself and saying, and, and, Tell, may, assuming people should just come and look at me because I am playing, because it's violin, um, it made it more special for them. And the the connection of just seeing this person play the song towards you, or maybe play the song that they think you would like. Uh, mm. And I think playing on the streets actually taught me so much, almost everything I know about public performing because that's where I first got my first gigs from. And from those, I was ready to do those gigs because I actually knew how to curate songs to certain audiences by just looking at them, 
now that I had just experienced hundreds and thousands of people walking past me all the time every day. I mean, I was out there every day once I figured it out from summer all the way through to the winter. Like I would only not be out there middle of January, February when it was just so cold, your fingers would fall off. But sometimes I would be out there anyway because, you know, got to eat your ramen. (laughs) I would say some, you know, the thing is like when you know your next meal depends on you being able to do something well. You figure out how to do that thing well. Amen to that, brother. That's that's exact. You know what? It's a great motivator. It is a powerful motivator. Um, I can't tell you how many times I dragged myself um, as a lazy teenager or or a lazy a little more than a teenager, but outside, you know, in the rain, snow, or heat, whatever, and and went out there and put that show on because i'm thinking about ramen i'm hungry i'm starving (laughs) uh but that being said it's not just all an act you know it's not just a show um i I, and this is what i mean by breaking by by learning the rules before you break them a lot of me smiling comes from me thinking about a cool lick that i'm gonna hit and then if i actually nail that you're right and and that's the nature of improvisation is that when you're when you're doing that you don't technically know exactly what's about to come you've never practiced it before you might be singing it in your head but you don't know how that line's going to sound until you play it and people are watching and when you hit it there's this this precise moment of joy yep that <laughs> right and it just i can't explain it but all the the best way i can explain it is if you were really, really hot on a hot summer's day and you're parched, right? You're so parched and then somebody gives you, you a, sli- a sip of like a slushy or a Slurpee or something, you can't help but smile and say, ah, yes. And, and you get that feeling of satisfaction. I, I, I could go for that every single time. It puts a smile on my face and that's usually where it comes from is is being able to do that so you know staying motivated i think is is the key staying motivated to please yourself it's kind of it's kind of selfish yeah but if you remember you're doing it for other people then that's what makes you better i think that's that's the that next leg up um once you're technically good then you got to learn how does this relate to people uh you know people reside all over the world not just in opera houses or or, right. or symphony halls tonight. Here's a clip of another AGT performance. This one is his version of Centuries by Fallout Boy.
Yeah, the, the last band that I played in, we would hear all the time from people, man, you guys look like you're having a great time. I said, well, we're not good actors. We really are having a good time. So that's, that's you just decide ahead of time. Yes, I know it's the 150th show this year. Yes, I know I've played this song literally a thousand times. But you decide before you go out there, I'm going to have a good time. And you fake it till you make it. You fake it till you make it, man. And, you know, I I can relate. You, you, I mean, you're a big rock guy. Like, you've been in a lot of rock bands. You you understand. In Berkeley, I was in, like, I think four or five different rock bands. Uh, before that, I was in a bunch of rock bands. And that feeling of going to rock bands and even just watching the rock band, the feeling and the energy in the crowd in on stage is... There's no acting. It's like you said, there is there is no acting. Uh, you just got to be raw and out there and have a good time with your buddies, whether you're getting, you know, whether you're getting paid 50 bucks or a couple of drink tickets. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, at the end of the day, you love the music, right? And that's going to put a smile on your face. And there's, I think a lot of us get taught as musicians, hey, uh, as instrumentalists especially, right? Hey, focus, keep your eyes down. I remember being at a concert the the other day and I heard an, a violinist criticizing one of the violinists on stage and uh, look at him. He's he's not even focusing on his fingers. He's not looking at his fingers, right? Which is something you'll hear. He's like, oh, you know, stop showing off. Look at your fingers. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe that guy wants to invoke some feeling, you know, in, in somebody's heart. And that's a lot, that's a, a lot better achieved by maybe looking, looking out in the crowd or depending on the kind of music you're playing, rocking out and, you know, yeah. doing a little head banging in there. I don't have know? to look at my fingers, man. They've been in the same place my whole life. I was born with them on the end of my hand. I, every time I look, they're there. I don't have I to ha look. You know, Matt, I got a challenge. And I, I, I challenge uh, the string players out there who are listening to this. No, the don't look challenge. Don't look at your fingers when you're playing. You know why? Looking at your fingers. This is this is my opinion. Looking at your fingers is for practice. Yeah. <laughs> you, you do that in practice. Yeah. Your audience is not at the end of your fingerboard. Your audience is in front of you. No, they are not. Yeah, they are. They are out there. They are waiting for you to engage with them. And if you don't, I think you're doing them a disservice. And I think the world would definitely benefit from all of all of us kind of you know what not even the world just us as people right fully immersing ourselves in our art when we're performing it for other people um i i think there's no need to to be shy i'd like to see more movement more energy in whatever way that's expressed and i hope that you know my kind of music and and Lindsay's kind of music and and a lot of other people out there uh, that are really doing it right now, you know, in our little but very growing fast community, you know, we're heading we're heading towards that, and I'd like I'm I'm very excited to see it. I'll hear from sometimes I play a lot of churches and stuff and and uh, you know big churches and and I'm bouncing around the stage a little bit. I mean it's not. The churches I'm playing in, we're not putting on a show. We're leading worship, but I don't, I don't have the ability to stand still. It's oh, like if, if this music isn't moving me, down. how can I expect it to move anybody else? 
Absolutely. I, I've been, you know what? And I've been to some of these big churches and they can move, bro. I've, I've seen some incredible worship programs and I, I find myself up there <laughs> moving around. I'm like, wait, what happened to me? I mean, they have incredible sessions and I, I think people, I've played them as well. I think people have come up to me and, and expressed how happy they were that the movement was there and the excitement was there. And and with you, man, when you perform, I like watching your videos a lot more just because you are doing that stuff. And I think I'd miss it if you didn't. <laughs> For sure I would. And that's, it's really important just to, everybody's going to relate to somebody Look, if Napoleon Dynamite can make a, a dance and, and people are doing that stuff like that, trust me, like, you don't look weird in whatever you're doing with your violin. In fact, it's it's more impressive. Yeah, I mean, if, especially if it's coming from your soul. If you just if you just let what's in the inside out, it might you might feel a little goofy at first, but if it's authentic, it's going to be fine. I cannot tell you how many times I have tripped, fallen, stumbled over myself on stage trying to do like something dumb like a dance move <laughs> or a, a spin and i forget that i have a cord attached to my violin <laughs> oh brother but you get you get caught up right and it, it's fun yep. it's it's like you're playing it's like you're you're playing hey let's all pretend we're the beatles we're we're we're, um, we're the Jimi hendrix experience you know and i mean how cool is it uh i think one day one day this guy told me he said Man, you're like Jimi Hendrix on violin. And I just, I said, hey, strike me down now, Lord. I'm good. Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> I'm, I'll go out on that one. Here's Brian's tribute to Juice World with his arrangement of Lucid Dreams. This was released just four days after Juice World's passing in December 2019. You can see in the video that the emotions are still really raw. Let's talk about your experience with America's Got Talent, how that got started and, and what it was like going through the whole process on the show. And, you know, maybe even give some behind the scenes stories about like how often are they filming things? Are these live? Are they pre-recorded? All that stuff. And that's that's the that's the that's the clam, right? That's that's what that's the big one. Um, OK, yeah. Uh, funny, funny story. actually. So the person that said the Jimi Hendrix thing to me, that was Terry Crews. And so he had actually said that to me off camera um, before when we were talking. And then I 
I realized, so he made sure to say it on camera again so they could get it because it's such a cool statement to get. And um, so starting with Terry, uh, probably the coolest, uh, yeah, the the coolest kind of guy that I met on that show in, in terms of like, he was just so down to earth. I mean, getting to talk to him was just like talking to your best buddy <laughs> uh he's he's just a really cool guy so being on that show though and it's a whirlwind i know uh a lot of a lot of people have tried out for that show as string players um i know because you know i follow a lot of people in the community and like i'm we've it's a, it's i'd say it's a it's a it's it's a tree we've all been barking on at some point or another and uh or a lot of us anyway, and I myself barked at it a lot longer than I like to admit. Uh, so the year I got on, this is 2018, uh, this was the fourth audition, the fourth year I had auditioned for America's Got Talent in a row. I, <laughs> I also got picked for this. This is hilarious. So at this point in, in May or whatever yeah in in may they announce the new season every year they do that by may in 2018 of my year at this point i didn't know if i was going to be on at this point i thought i wasn't going to be on because they hadn't even said anything to me at all uh this is because they were i was going to be rejected for the fourth time <laughs> yeah so uh eventually uh i get this call almost a month later no this is in yeah, in June. Yeah. So in June, which is a whole month later from where we are now, right? I get a call uh, because America's Got Talent is already uh, about to air. And they're like, hey, so are you available for a last minute audition? I'm like, what? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, come in tomorrow morning because somebody just dropped out and you're local. And this is why I had moved to LA because I wanted to get the local opportunities. And uh, I said, okay, I'll be there. And uh, I grabbed my, this is why practice is important, right? Because <laughs> if I didn't have something prepared, I would have been so screwed. Uh, but I get there 7 a.m. sharp and uh, you know, I show up there, Tyra Banks is there, the producers are there, you know, they're asking me about you know, what I'm, what, uh, what I'm going to do, what I'm going to wear, all this stuff. And, uh, then they ask about my story. And so they actually had known, uh, earlier that I, I had mentioned to the guy scouting me. I was like, Hey man, uh, you know, he's like, do you ever deal with anything? And I was like, yeah, of course I deal with stuff. I thought he was just kind of asking me as a friend. I was like, yeah, man, uh, you know, I've got this nerve disease thing and, uh, told him all about it. Um, and I would, you know, can't feel my hands. It's deterioration, you know, of my nerves and, all of that and he was like wow and so they told me hey when you, i did my interview uh they're like hey so you didn't mention anything about about your sickness and i was like uh do i have to like i, I just kind of don't want to make it about that because you know how a lot of these shows can be they can make it a lot about you know a story as opposed to the performance right of the talent and so i didn't want to go there and so you know, they took me around. They had one of the head producers come out and take me around to the back. And she's like this really nice, like very nice, easy to talk to person. It was like Caitlin or Ashley or something like she's a really cool person. Right. And um, man, yeah. she takes me into the back 
uh, and she's like, listen, I know this is personal to you, but I just need to ask you, like, tell me what, what you're going through. I told her everything. She's like, is it the truth? I said, yeah. So she said, if it's the truth, then you got to, you know, what's wrong with telling everybody? I said, yeah, that's, that's a good point. So I go up and, you know, tell everybody this thing that I'm kind of been ashamed of, right? Because I don't want to be a young guy who's sick uh, chronically. And that's, so I, t- I tell the, I, I tell them I'm up there in front of the judges, which by the way, is just like a harrowing experience. <laughs> 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 um, I mean, you like you walk out there because it's not like you get to see the judges beforehand at all. You know, they just slam you with it in the moment, uh, and uh, you're just hit with the lights, and it's everything from your mind goes blank. So you just don't even everything you you think you have this whole thing planned and just goes out the window. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, especially it's your first time on TV. I mean. I remember how long it took me to remember what happened after the fact, just because of how fast it went by. Um, but basically, yeah, I go up there, tell my story, and uh, I played the song. And to have everybody clap, I think realizing that I told my story, telling everybody, hey, I'm sick, and then having the whole stadium on their feet, right? Having this entire standing ovation, Heidi Klum is like, Right now, too, I just started crying because uh, I was like, "Holy crap! Um, maybe I'm I'm not just gonna be, you know, some sick guy who, you know, eventually is only going to be known for that." And it was such a validating moment. Uh, just after being rejected so many so many times, I almost started thinking, like, "Man, they just really don't care about violin on this show." Um, it had been so long. I think you know the last, they they never have you know string players on the show. It's very rare, and and uh, so I was thinking maybe they just weren't even interested in the craft at all. And I was really disappointed because I was really trying to tell them like, guys, electric violin. You know, this is electric violin. Like this is new. This is cool. People don't know about this. You know, um, and they, I feel like it fell on deaf ears. Um, but to finally have all of these people standing up and and in my mind I'm kind of like wow this is great for me and I'm also like now nobody can now nobody can deny that you know this is awesome like this is this is cool like we've got to run here and um you know the rest is kind of history right I going through this whole run of America's Got Talent is actually it's it's a crazy experience man because going on there I only had one song prepared the first song I played was the only song I had that I that I had prepared beforehand for that show. After that, I didn't know. I had other songs. Sure, you like I had lots of songs I could play, but sure, you gotta you gotta change things up for TV and and kind of move it up to a grander scale. And I realized nothing I had was you know ready for that. Right, I'm not gonna. So week after week, I I crafted a new song. Uh, or a new cover that I did. Um, and it put me in this situation where I was writing and choreographing and learning these routines as well as, you know, stage plotting and all of this stuff within a week. Right. right. And, 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 you know, recording, rev- revising and, and like continuously making the song better for a performance so that you, so that you can really like, wow everybody as much as possible and then like learning how to dance (laughs) which was i don't even want it i can't even get into how crazy that was um 
Well, it's like every uh, week you have to serve up the performance of your life. And then the, the next you week, have to talk you got to do better than week. that. Yeah. You, exactly. So when I when they asked me to come play uh, for my first time out, I'm like, I'm going to go all out. I'm going to play my best song. I'm going to play my fastest, coolest you know, song I know that I've been practicing for years. I'm going to nail this. And then I got to the next round. I was like, wow, this is great. Then, and then they said, so send us a list of like 30 songs of what you could do for the next round. And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have one. So, but, you know, that was, it was fun. It was an adventure. And that's, I figured it out. Uh, I ended up, you know, picking uh, that Coldplay Chainsmokers song for my second round, which uh, I played trip or uh, where were they 64th double stop okay yeah double stops yeah 64th double stops uh at 105 bpm if you don't believe that that's hard go got, somebody go 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 home and try this double stops 64th at 105 bpm uh and now try send, doing it naked in front of your crush because your oh, heart no. is about to beat out of your chest the whole time you know, it's one thing to do something in a practice room. It's another thing to do it when you are scared to death. That that's and that's exactly it. I when you get up there, it's just I've never been in situations like that before where my mind has just gone incredibly blank. I mean, I love performing and it's great, but when the cameras are on and there's these big lights and you've got these judges looking at you and you realize if I've I, I one of the greatest lessons I've learned from my one of my old teachers was when you mess up uh, at a performance or recital, you need to just pick pick back up. You know, don't go back and you know pick back up and, and you know that works really well. But when you're and you, I find solace in that, right? When I'm playing non-recorded gigs, but then when I'm in front of a TV camera, mm. that that moment is recordable that moment people can tivo it run it back and just play your mistake over and over and over again they can upload that clip to youtube like your whole career could go down yeah if you imagine imagine and that's the thing you know what's the scariest thing here's some insider you want to know what the scariest thing about performing on live tv is and your future is in the balance you're playing a violin that has strings. Yeah. That, and you have to move and run around and you have a ton of equipment strapped onto you and you have to pray that your, God forbid, your E string breaks. <laughs> right? God forbid. Or a peg slips a or you drop slips, your bow. Your, your bridge slips, any of those things. Because guess what? Um, number one, I'm not, I'm not a I'm not a world touring famous violinist yet. I don't I don't have a backup. I don't I don't have I just got what I got. And if this is goes kaput, I don't I don't even have a guy who's gonna run something out out to me. I'm all I'm all on my own. They're just and, and they're gonna keep recording. Yeah. Because now guess what? That's this is the act now. Yeah, this <laughs> is good TV. You're like this TV. is the worst moment of my life. What are you talking about? That's great TV, exactly. The the producers are in the back just high fiving if something like that happens. <laughs> it sucks. Hey, it sucks for you, but guess what? Those ratings are going up, baby. You better believe it. Um, <laughs> 
Here's the beginning of Brian's finals performance on AGT. He was in the top five and competing here for the championship. Imagine the nerves and the pressure. Well, I what got a story for you that you probably don't know about the violin that's hanging on your wall right now. When Is that you know, right? You called us, and in fact, we were talking about trying to get you another Aurora violin for, was it for the semifinals, right? That's this one, yeah. So I was in contact with, with Aurora in Brazil. They sent the violin to us, and then, you know, you and I talked a bunch of times about adding some more LED lights to it. We got the LED lights into our shop. We're waiting for the violin to come in. And we knew we had to overnight it to you in Los Angeles. So Jamie, (laughs) our luthier, by the time he gets to the violin, because we're an operating shop, we've got, you know, 15, 20 violins to get out the door every day. By the time he gets to your violin, he's got like 20 minutes before FedEx Express is going to be ready to leave. So he's wow. soldering all this, st- and he has to cut the LED strips Hold to up. fit them around the instrument. And he finished soldering the last solder joint while the FedEx Express guy was standing in the shop waiting. We've no got the box way. ready. We've got the label made. Everything's done. And Jamie's like finishing soldering this last little joint. Flips it on, tests it. He sort of shakes the violin a little bit. Tries it, the lights still work, throws it in the case and says, go. No way. So Man. we're all watching you like two nights later because you get the violin. And I think you either played it that night or the next day, right? I think it was, I think it was, yeah, it was the next night. It was the next night. It was the next night. You, Oh my god. So we're watching and you're coming out of the ceiling of this thing and you're yeah. jumping <laughs> and running. And we know that this has not been like, this has not been road tested. Not, not and all. we're like, oh, crap, I didn't know he's going to be doing all that, you know? And Jamie's like, if I would have known, like, I would have been doubling up all the solder, but it held. Yo, shout out to Jamie. No, that was, it was a fantastic job. That thing was nice. And I've, because I've had to have the, those lights replaced over time. Yeah, uh, yeah. And they haven't, you know what? Jamie did such a great job, like, because sometimes those, those lights will get replaced and they'll, I've had shorts happen. I've almost gotten burned on stage before. I've had I've had it uh, accidentally just spaz out and stuff. But Jamie's when you guys sent me over that violin. By the way, that was that violin was the key, okay, to having that those that custom made LED light that you guys 
can't believe you got it in in time, by the way, um, had sent to me the morning that we got that when I showed when I showed up to uh, America's Got Talent backstage and I showed the music team and I showed my producer, there was like a different air in the room. <laughs> people people started people started whispering and going, oh wow, like he's 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 really going all out. And uh, they they saw me run the when we did the rehearsal on that uh, twenty five feet up in the air coming down from the ceiling, and we did a we did a run with the lights which worked perfectly. I mean they were so bright, so great. Um, they actually ended up. Uh, bumping my spot like to a, a lot more favorable spot in the lineup no. because they were like this. They knew it. Everybody knew it when I ran that during rehearsal. The room was just exploding. I mean, like they, everybody, everybody just stopped what they were doing and watching all the producers. And so I remember thinking, this is going to be a definitive moment for violinists in in television simply for the fact that we're bringing this bright silhouette violin and i mean this thing this thing is just such a cool violin and it, it did so well for it to I, I bet people didn't know that that was shipped over and and played put together within really less than 48 hours yeah yeah, it uh, the timing worked out fantastic on that, and we, you know, we're all so excited. But we're we're watching you play, just holding our breath, because we all know like how much time he did not have to put that violin together. Yeah, and that's the thing. You you know, violins take time to break in. Uh, you have new strings and new everything on them. I mean, I was sitting there retuning my strings probably every thirty seconds. I, yeah, I was retuning between every single rehearsal run. Yeah. Um, because it literally, I mean, that's how it is, you know, but that's the thing, that pressure of, Hey, t it's happening now you're on TV. You can't say, Hey, like, let's give it another day. I need my strings to rest. You know, I, right. you know, I wanted whatever. Um, well, uh, and each instrument is different. I don't know if people know, but like the curvature on the bridge is a little different on every violin. These things are handmade the curvature on the nut and the fingerboard and like the spacing. And, and this is like getting in a car that you've never driven before. And now you have to race and your life is on the line. Depends. Like, I don't it, know exactly. what the headlight switches. I don't, you know, I'm just, I'm driving and right. praying like, yeah. Hopefully everything's here. Absolutely. And right. These minuscule differences, right? Every violin. And that's why, you know, it like you taking it back to what you said earlier, there is no best violin because it's about those little tiny, guess what, a millimeter uh, or a half a millimeter of a difference on where the bridge sits, okay, might feel 100% times more native and more comfortable to X player with this, with X set, uh, X length of hands, fingers, uh, than a different one. And I've noticed that, you know, in my, uh, different violins for different sounds and everything like that and playing a brand new violin that's just you're right it's like driving a different car you can drive a car but don't know how to drive this one perfectly yet yeah you yeah make, that you takes a lot of guts man what you did takes an insane <laughs> amount of guts i'll tell you what man it's fun and i think it's the spirit of you know being 
an electric violinist and just naturally being curious and naturally wanting to do something that's, I think, cool. You know, right? It's simply, I I want to I want to do these cool things and and why not do something that, you know, Beyonce or or Travis Scott or anybody who we think is cool and hip and cutting edge today, you know, we can do that too. And so I, I find it really fun to be able to push that limit, to kind of do those things. And then, you know, I couldn't do it without having this community and having people like you, having people like Electric Violence Shop to reach out to and be like, hey guys, it's me. Um, <laughs> uh, I need this crazy request. I mean, before, before me, I mean, how many times did you have somebody randomly calling in the shop like, hey, can you just overnight me this this random, like, take one of your models of violin, throw some lights on it. I need this tomorrow night for a TV show. But, you know, thank God that you guys were there to do it. Otherwise, I don't know. I don't know how, how many votes I would have gotten the next round. <laughs> this is a performance we talked about with the brand new violin and lights. We were all seriously holding our breath when we saw him coming out of the ceiling. And watching the video as I'm editing this, I noticed how much the platform he was on was moving around. Oh my goodness. Ugh. Well, talking about, speaking of guts, not only playing a brand new instrument, uh, I can't remember what night it was that you said, you know, I know all these cover tunes work. I know people love all these songs, but here's a song you've never heard before here. And I know you haven't heard it before because I just wrote it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What, Uh, what, uh, what night did you play Spark? Spark. So Spark was uh, my champion's performance. Uh, Mm, And so that... Yeah. And so that was like a big, a big, uh, you know, coming of, I I feel like it was a coming of age for me anyway, um, to come out and really play my own original music. Cause you know, after playing so much, so many covers and everything, I, I started to realize, you know, it's time to, it's time to push myself to that next level. It's time to uh, stop being, you know, I was, I was, to be completely honest, I wasn't sure what I was going to write as an, as an original writing artist. And it held me back in a sense because I was too scared. I said, I was thinking to myself, like, what if it sucks? <laughs> what, what if it's not good? Um, and it's, it's, again, it's that stigma because of, of, you know, I would tell people, Hey, I'm going to, you know, write this music or I'm going to make cool violin music. And some people would not, think that was the coolest thing or that it was possible and sometimes I'd let that get in my head and 
once I was on America's Got Talent, I realized there's no reason to listen to people like that. <laughs> um, oh, no. Let me, you know, because regardless of what other people are saying, there now I've got people, you know, who are looking uh, to hear something new and something fresh from me, and I'm more than happy to oblige them. So coming out there on America's Got Talent, the champions, and looking Simon in the face and just being like, so, you know, this 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 song, I know you've never heard anything like this before because it's my song. And that being literally, again, the first time I performed that song live ever, because uh, once we decided I would perform that song and I literally wrote it right when they uh, picked me for the show, um, they were like, okay, well, you can't perform it yet for anywhere else because no leaks, right? Um, so uh, I never had, I didn't have a chance to perform it live uh, and get reactions from the crowd and stuff like that, which is really honestly the most important thing about uh knowing how your song is going to come off is seeing sure. reactions so uh that time my my testing bed was america's got talent <laughs> and, <clears throat> and uh yeah i i think at this point i was kind of used to it now uh to like kind of go under that pressure and it's just really kind of a fun exciting experience for me i mean they had brought me back i think three times now at this point so uh, being able to play my song in front of the world, it wasn't, it was no longer about me trying to win anything. It was more to me about uh, showing, showing everybody what, what is to come uh, and where my career's uh, headed and what I want to contribute to the world of music. Uh, and showing everybody that, yeah, like this is, this is something that I can do. And this is something that I hope that, you know, you guys are going to stay and rock with me on. It's really, it's really exciting. I've got a lot, I've got a lot coming, coming forward. I mean, it's, it's, you know how scary it is to play an original song on uh, America's Got Talent. It's almost set up for, for you to fail because they, they want to, they want to bash you for it. Right. They want to tell you, you're not good enough to make it in the industry. Uh, they want to tell you all kinds of things. And, um, Honestly, you got to take that. You got to take that as a good thing. Anytime I receive any kind of negativity now, or any kind of, or I, I think somebody might judge me, I, I go forward with full gusto. Um, I've talked to Lindsay about this too, and and it's something that she, you know, I look up to her for, and and I definitely, she's right about it, and she told me she said, you know, look when. Uh, when I was on America's Got Talent, it was like the most embarrassing moment of my life. Well, they and slammed her. They slammed her, man. Uh, I mean, it was, and it was, they, to me, I would, I mean, how could you not go home and just be punching the air? And to me, she said, you know, they slammed me and I just went home and I, took the constructive criticism and I worked harder and I said, I'll show them. And now I did. And I mean, look, look at what she did with something, something like that and turned it into now she's, uh, one of the biggest things since sliced bread, like you a know? billion YouTube views. You made it. Yeah, actually. And she's still going and it's crazy. And, um, that's, that's, what's important to me is to see how that adversity, and how being put in that 
pressure situation, high pressure situations produces, it, it helps you grow really, really hard. And so that's what I would say I got the most out of that America's Got Talent uh, experience, other than, you know, like hundreds of thousands of fans and, you know, being able to play everywhere and, you know, all that good stuff, right? Like that obviously comes with it. But really uh, growing as a as a performer and learning what it really means to um, entertain people, uh, what it means to like sit down and buckle down, work hard and, and put your craft out. Uh, that song that I was working on, I mean, I it's a process, right? There's doing what we do, finding, producing in it and doing, doing the right thing. Look, there's not a lot of guys out there whose producer resume says, you know, I've done XXX, this, all of these um, electric violinists, right? Right. Yeah, you know, exactly. That's a problem that a lot of people run into in our field. And I think um, you really just got to stick with the process. We are the vanguards, as they say, we are, we are the Da Vinci's and guess what? For as amazing as Da Vinci was, his process was painstaking. His ver his journals have 93 versions of the same invention. Like, could you imagine writing the same song 93 times, revising it 93 times? No doubt. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a lot of great guys do stuff like that. Um, Queen did stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the greatest stuff uh went through that and so i would say you know just don't be afraid uh people who are listening to this you know don't be afraid to to be to be on your work to to be the perfectionist you want to be but to just strive for it and don't be discouraged um because we're all experimenting here and and you're adding to the collective experimentation and we'll really reach a great a great spot one day yeah no doubt well hey i want to talk to you about the video for spark <laughs> oh, now, yes. I, I know because you and I were talking about oh, this before moment. the video like hey Matt what do you think would happen if we took a violin underwater and yep. so where did that idea come from and yeah tell people you really did take your your a axe underwater I think I asked you know at this point uh Matt I, I just I ask you before I do anything crazy or stupid <laughs> <laughs> but it's related to my like the instrument I'm just like I better ask Matt before I kill myself or something <laughs> um but yeah uh yeah I remember that I this I got this crazy idea we're sitting in there trying to we had made the spark track and I started thinking I gotta make a crazy music video for the first one it's gotta be crazy right and uh Kimmy, my girlfriend, is in the room, and she goes, um, you know, how cool would it be, like, if you did did a scene underwater, right? And she showed me this, like, janky video of this, this like, <laughs> this guy, this Indian guy, like, in a pool or something, and, and, like, doing some, some, like, underwater music video. I thought it looked really lame, right? I was like, no, like, it's just, like, just in a pool, you, you you generally are just floating like that's what like underwater videos kind of look like right uh and i was like also i'll ruin a whole violin you can't play a violin underwater and she keeps pushing this idea at me though and so we're sitting there uh with malibu films which is this these this group of film team this film team that works with me and Kimmy brings up the idea again, and the lead director goes, I love that idea. And, <laughs> and so the whole room consensus, and I'm like, 
well, I guess we're doing this underwater violin video. And it was the next day I texted you, right? Because I'm like, yeah. fine. I'll, I'll, I, cause like, I was like, look, before we, they, everybody gets excited. They start talking about it. I said, look, before we go any further, okay, guys, I have to find out if this is feasible at all. Okay, so I have to text somebody. Um, I'll text them tomorrow. Like, probably asleep now. Well, I'll text. I'm going to text my, my buddy, Matt, and we're going to find out uh, if this is even humanly possible, if I can do this without taking ele- taking an electric violin underwater. I'm not sure of the logistics of that. So I hit you up, and <laughs> I forgot what you said. I, I think you said um, it would take, uh, like, it was technically possible, but it would definitely take some custom uh, some custom housing some some definitely some custom hardware work to be done and uh so taking that i think we decided okay fine i have a i have i have a guy out here it's like i know he's 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 down to kind of help me out with these harebrained crazy schemes i have with my violins and whatever i want to do with them so i'm like hey man look i need to take this aurora violin uh which i'm holding right now actually uh and I need it fully water encased, and uh, I need it to be submergible. And he's and he's like, and, and I need the lights to work, and we need to do deep like we need to do deep sea shots, so it needs to work under like many feet of water. <laughs> and he's like, like they, I could just tell this guy hate like he doesn't hate working with me. I pay him well, right? <laughs> but. <laughs> You know, but I, at the same time, I just bring him these absurd requests, right? He's, he actually just does regular lighting and, and you know, normal stuff that normal people would normally need lighting for. <laughs> so he's like, I don't even think it can be done, but just bring me the thing. I'll try to figure it out. I was like, okay. So he calls me back and it turns out he can do it, but it, it essentially will take three times the amount of work that it would take just to do it normally with, without making it waterproof because there's just so many factors to it. The, the lights have to work. Um, it's battery powered, but if even a droplet gets into one circuit, you're screwed. Also, it could short and burn you at the same time. Um, it has to be, and it, but it has to survive under the pressure. So we ended up with this, you know, this like really, poly, I don't know what kind of poly, carbon fiber oh and it needs to be clear so that the lights can still yeah, shine right. through so, <laughs> so it's got all these crazy requirements and then um t- this is typical me i'm like i need it in like three days yeah can you do it like <laughs> in an hour <laughs> yeah <laughs> and <laughs> so poor guy i think I've, i have him just like working around the clock um getting this done for me but he finally gets it done and we're off to the shoot and we are ready there our idea is you know we're just going to film this entire thing underwater and i don't swim your boy does not swim for a a lick i i can't float i don't know how to tread water none of that i know how to hold my breath that might have been a good detail to to tell the the crew before the shot i i i might have mentioned it albeit softly (laughs) (laughs) it's 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 not i'm not the most proud of it but i i did i never liked water as a kid i i when when we did the the swimming lessons i just have i have like this fear of drowning which obviously now looking back i realized i should have remedied that by learning how to swim 
Um, but you know, all's well that ends well because I did learn how to swim during the shoot. Uh, my girlfriend was there taking uh, video for me on get this the iPhone 11. Man, okay, they so shoot the amazing iPhone. video and underwater too. Oh, Crystal she put clear. it underwater. Oh yeah, they're they they're IPv6 or, or IP IP5 whatever that is the rating they can go six feet underwater for an hour. That's crazy. Um, and we got great footage, fantastic footage. Uh, and we used all of that underwater footage that you see in that in that in that music video is off of an iPhone 11 Pro. That's crazy. Yeah, we were having troubles with the underwater shooting because it was always coming out really murky because dust mm -hmm. is underwater and all of it it's a lot of stuff you don't think about right. and uh the next day i stopped at the apple store i was like give me the iphone we we went there i and we ended up using it and when we took it back to editing we were like we'll just use this as b-roll we took it back to editing we were like these are the best shots <laughs> these iphone shots are amazing and so um yeah, pro tip anyone out there, if you're looking for a good camera, just get the new iPhone. Uh, and um, yeah, so Moment of Truth was the very first shot we did was the shot of me falling backwards into the water, holding my violin while it was lit up. So uh, we did that shot and I, it, you can see on the back, back behind the scenes, I have a back behind the scenes on my Instagram. You can see after I fall, you can see me like terribly doggy paddle over to the <laughs> yeah i saw the, that i saw they had yeah. a rope tied on you too yeah because I, I because i don't know how to swim and i so literally for that scene there couldn't be anyone else in the water right right um and but for all the other scenes we had a guy um who was just there and his job was just to spot me because like i could just drown because i don't know how to swim <laughs> so um and it was just, oh, man, the first day of filming was hilarious because I was just every four seconds, man. It was just uh, 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 help. help. Like, I would just I don't know. I would just constantly be drowning. And so my girlfriend on day two of filming took me aside and day two of filming. This is perfect, though, is because we just got the iPhone. So while we're waiting for the iPhone to charge and load up and everything, she took me to the side of the pool and. By now, it was a lot heated than the night before. The night before, it was, like, way colder. So, also, day two was a great filming. Took me to the side of the pool, and she's like, we're going to teach you to swim. She, she teached me how to tread water, um, taught me how to, you know, front crawl, do that, you know, breaststroke. And I didn't even know how to sink down into water. I didn't know that you had to uh, um, kind of, like, Oh man, now see, I forgot already. You gotta kind of blow yeah, you, out because you got all this air in yeah. your lungs. You're gonna float. Exactly, exactly. You gotta, you gotta blow out. You can't be too buoyant. And then also, you gotta. Um, I don't know. There's like a whole thing to it, right? Um, to like stay, stay at the bottom. But that, all of that, happened, and I eventually learned how to. I wouldn't say I'm a great swimmer now, but I'm good enough that I wasn't drowning anymore. Every every three seconds the spotter could finally take a break because before they were literally no you have no idea man they felt so bad for me they were they called they started calling their friends they, they the camera crew started calling some other people um they try they're they're so sweet they're trying to hide it from me but they're calling other people i could tell they're texting them like get over here we need more people to make sure brian's not gonna die because he can't swim like at all <laughs> like <laughs> 
Uh, so it was it was great though. Um, yeah, like you was, put you're you're uh, invested in this video. Like you put, you literally put your life on the line. They were yeah, and trust me, they were trying to kind of talk me. Even at some point, they were trying to talk me out of it a little bit in the sense that they're like, "Hey man, like you know, you can't swim that well. Like try not to like." And I'm like, "No, look, we got to get the shots." And like, I don't care, man. I'm doing this for the for the art. I'll do it for the art. Um, and it was really cold, and I also. Boy, shooting underwater is exhausting, bro. Doing um, anything underwater is exhausting. Yeah. I mean, we were out there for hours and hours on end because it cost us money to use the place, you know? And we had rented it for like two days. So we had to get the shots in. And I was shivering. I have like between shots, I would be going, I would go straight into the hot tub. Um, and you don't obviously you don't see it. I'll, I'm going to upload more behind the scenes on my Instagram, but if you don't see it there, uh, you'll see me. I'm just shivering all the time. And you know what? Shout out to Aurora. Shout out to my lights guy. Number one, the violin plays underwater, and I will say this: it plays at a full uh, step, one full natural step below at yeah below it's natural uh tuning when you're about six feet under yeah i remember you telling it was me and um and that viola kid and yeah, uh, yep. we were hanging out at um in in uh, anaheim and you came over for the fiddle hang during nam and you were telling us yeah. that like it plays completely out of tune like a full step off when a you're underwater step, yeah and we're like yeah i never even thought about that isn't that isn't that bizarre I mean, I don't know really the technical application of that yet, other than to make a really great music video. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's so funny, though. I mean, if you listen to me playing the song versus the sound of me playing the song, but it's all tuned a whole step lower at the same time, it's it's the most bizarre sounding. Like, the unedited track is, is bizarre sounding, but it's definitely... um. It was such an experience, man. Uh, and God bless it, this violin, albeit a little bit of bleach staining, uh, works perfectly. Uh, yeah, I was uh, I was getting ready to call Aurora in Brazil and be like, listen, Brian's about to kill your violin. Can you send us another one for him? <laughs> I, I, and then I talked I to him and I said, hey, don't worry thing. about it. The violin, I, I talked to you after the film and you're like, well, it still works. I'm like, well, okay, I guess it still works. Trust me, I was as surprised as you. I I was going to message the guy. I was going to either message you or the guys. I was going to say, hey, um, please don't hate me. <laughs> but I, dest <laughs> I destroyed your violin, but for a great cause. It's going to be a really cool music video. And um, yeah, I mean, all's, like I said, all is well that ends well. Um, and it was it was absolutely one of the coolest, most fun videos to make. Uh, one of our good buddies, uh, Greg Hanley from uh, Malibu Films, brings over his freaking uh, a four hundred thousand dollar white Phantom Rolls Royce. Oh and yeah, that was so cool, man. Uh, it was that was a treat to be in. I mean, I one day will have that when I'm like an older dude, man. How about <laughs> with the top hat? I'll, yeah, you know, <laughs> three-piece suit, all of that. Here's Brian's original tune, Spark, that he debuted on America's Got Talent. 
Be sure to catch the video on YouTube now that you know the story behind it. just one last thing I want to talk to you about. And it's, um, you know, we've all seen these people from reality shows or the contest shows sort of make their big splash and then we never see them again. Right. And, and your career appears to be headed more in the direction of the Carrie Underwoods and the Kelly Clarksons that have hit this thing. And it was the launching pad into something that's got a lot more legs to it. Right. So oh, talk yeah. about, I know that that's an intentional thing. I know that you're getting great counseling from Lindsay and other people around. Talk about what do you think you're doing differently to make sure that, that America's Got Talent was the beginning of something and not the end of something. That's a really good question um, because that's something that, you know, I think I was definitely super aware of as well, you know, while I was on the show. And that was like kind of the big question you know, once you kind of get into the finals and you're starting to think, what do I do after this? Um, because for me, my music is everything, right? Music is my life. And uh, in order to kind of stay relevant, I don't even know if relevant is the right word, right? Because here's the thing, Carrie, like you said, the Carrie Underwoods and, you know, the 
the people you look at after the show have really done something. It's because they've really done something. They've written great songs and, you know, they've performed those songs and we recognize them as great artists. Uh, and I think it is really important for me not to, you know, to continue to be myself. It's like you said, uh, I've been working at this for a long time, long before YouTube or America's Got Talent. And coming off of it, to kind of stay in that trajectory that's not, um, you know, fading out of existence and kind of moving upwards, uh, I'm always, I've, I've noticed something really important. Uh, getting big opportunities like this are always going to put you in these cool places where you're going to be around people who are doing a lot of things and you're going to be around a lot of other artists, right? And as a violinist in this game, you're going to be uh stigmatized uh to be is and here's the stigma the stigmatism or the <laughs> the stigma in the in the industry is that will are you relevant enough to what we're doing what the rest of us are doing for you to fit in for you to um have a place for your music to thrive and surprisingly that answer or not surprisingly, rather, that answer can always be, we don't know. And it's up to you as a person, it's up to me as a person, I realized that quickly, to show my worth. Like, the work never ends. And so the key is not getting, you know, caught up in what you've done and, and to keep on looking for that next thing. And so for me, I'm always looking to make that next big splash. If, if I... If I win America's Got Talent today, or if I, I do that, or if I do a talent show today, guess what? Next year or next in the next few years, I want to do a movie. I want to get a Grammy. Um, and to always be looking at pushing my specific style of playing. Uh, I, I can't wait to see how much bigger, you know, the fan base can get for me. Uh, but I think it's really important just to continue to give quality content. I think that's what it really comes down to. Quality content. Write the songs that you really want to write. And I think that a lot of my fans that I have that are sticking with me, who are giving me that exposure, um, are really lifelong fans. Because I'm just doing something that no one else is doing because it's my specific way of playing. Uh, so be better at whatever you're unique at, right? Uh, also, uh, I would want to say that... Hmm, um, hold on. I had something really good to say about this. It's all good. I've got an edit button over here. Yeah, I figure. That's what I'm we like. Cut, uh, paste. Perfect. Um, I think it's really important to to never stop actually you know improving and to continue to practice after uh you know being on the show and everything i've gotten so many gig offers and like, i've been able to play with a lot of big artists and it, it's always so important to be that same performer be that that same high energy um exciting person uh that people see uh in your performance right because that's 
that's what's going to push you further. And, and, you know, I get a lot of calls back to do a lot of these big shows and I get recommended to do, you know, a lot of other big shows. I don't, I don't feel like I go out and I'm, I definitely have it on my mind to be the best and the biggest I can be. And, you know, I always working to get as many opportunities as I can, but I'm not worried about it. I'm mostly worried about doing the best I can do at the opportunities that come my way. Not just, uh, a lot of people will come off the show and just squeeze a lemon. Right. Mm. And, and right. And, and that's the thing you, you can't get super caught up and say, Hey, now I'm, you know, I'm the biggest thing since sliced bread, you know, you know, there's people, people a lot bigger than me are out there practicing every single day in, and in their rooms. And, you know, I'm going to keep on doing that. Uh, it keeps you humble and it also keeps you, uh, not rusty. Right. And I, I, my performances get better and better and better and better as time goes on. And, you know, one day I hope to be on that level where I have a show that's so crazy. You know, we're selling out Madison Square Garden. And those, these are all things super achievable, man. I mean, bands like Motley Crue did it, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. And we can bring we could bring that energy, that vibe back because that energy lives in music. And uh, yeah, you know, that's it's it's an exciting journey for me. Uh, I'm just going to keep on releasing really good music, trying to do the best I can do, uh, you know, doing stuff that's provocative and pushing that envelope, you know, doing a music video underwater. You know, what's next? I don't know, but I'll I'll definitely wow you. So just continuously working to wow myself, trying to put that smile on my face because, you know, I got to keep wowing myself. That that makes me happy, uh, makes other people happy and probably keep me in the game for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. and the thing, too, that I think is a really good sign for you is that you are humble about things. You're calling up and asking advice from from people who've done these things before. And you're saying, hey, I want to be better than I was last week. And so I listen to my 100%. performance from last week and you go, yeah, it was good. What do I do to make it better? And, oh, yeah. And, oh, and that's yeah. the thing. Those are those those are those come to come to Jesus moments. Right, though. Um, we've all been taught those. I think string players are probably the most highly self-critical instrument mm. instrumentals I've ever met, you know, and just, I, I, I get it. It's a habit. I can't help it either, but to look at it positively. Right. And, you know, you know, yeah. And, and I'm always asking you, right. How, Hey man, how can I get my tone better? You know, I feel like my, this, this sounds like that. And it's, it's critical of yourself, but it's also fun, isn't it, man? I mean, we're like, sure. I, I'm calling you. I feel like I'm calling up the the master tinkerer in the in the electric violin shop. You know, I just want some advice because you know, one day, hopefully, I'll be that old guy. Not that you're the old guy, but I'm talking about. Oh, I am. I'm the old I'm guy. Be- <laughs> well, you 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 got a great disguise on. I'll give you that. The the, <laughs> the I'm I want to be. You know, I'm talking about like Geppetto. Yeah, 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 for sure. But I want to be that guy, though, um, for that young kid who's who's like, hey, man, like, how do I do something else? That's cool. Um, And I'm just so thankful that, you know, I can have people like you and like those other guys that we're doing hanging out with at the you know, when we had that meet up with all the fiddle players over at NAMM, Um, that community is huge for, I think more for me especially than even like 
Lindsay, right? Because Lindsay came up in this time where YouTube and the internet was a little different. Now we have these hubs. Now people are always talking. You got stuff like Discord and all this stuff. And you know, our community, uh, we've got this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where where I was looking up electric violence stuff. Remember how it used to be before Electric Violence Shop was was on the web? It was just old, old forums. Yep. Very random Google images. Very strange eBay listings. Yeah. No reviews on anything. Couldn't even find the back picture of something that you wanted to buy. And it was this wild west of like. I have no idea what this pedal will sound like with this violin. I don't even know what kind of transducer this violin is using. And now we're in this whole different age where, I mean, I can, I can go on your website, right? And I had a, I had a jeweler hit me up uh, the other day, say, "Hey, I want to make you a custom necklace about your of your violin, right?" Oh. He said, "So send, right? That's cool, right? I can't wait to we'll see we'll see how it comes out." And so I said, um, I. I He's like, yeah, I need pictures, right? So I, I, I pull up the link to the Aurora on the on the electric violin shop. I said, here. And he messaged me. He was like, oh, can I get pictures of the back too? And then immediately another picture, another message. Oh, never mind. It's all here. I'm like, yeah, I, everything I need is right here. Yeah, I know, man. Literally everything from the side and the back and everything. And these are resources that were not available. Now you have questions and podcasts where people answer questions and you do live streams where like I've learned so much about different new violins and um, this is a community that's only going to grow. And I always compare it to say where the electric guitar community was way back in the day when electric guitars were just seen as garage noise (laughs) and and then these guys came out and said, no, we're just going to keep working. It's, you don't understand. It's just this amp is a little too distorted. I'm going to work on the humbuckers here and, and this, that, and the other. And then, you know, fast forward, you have Van Halen and right. <laughs> you got Jimmy. And now fast forward even more, you have an entire community where famous guys like the guitarist from Journey just released his own custom uh, Stratocaster, right? Um, Fender's got this, got a huge, big, you know, booth at every guitar convention. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is a place where our community can be and is, and, and will be very soon because we're in the beginning of it. And that's honestly what is the most exciting part about it. If you are in it now, you're, you're the pioneer. And I don't think people realize how incredibly exciting that really, really is we can do anything, right? This is a time where we can create the subgenres within our genre, within our instrument, and and eventually have this huge community where we're going to have violins that are going to be named after people, you know, right in this community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and they're going to be just as common as the name Les Paul, right? So it'll be exciting uh, to see stuff like that happen. And I'm just so excited. I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. And, well, we definitely owe uh, you a debt of gratitude. You know, you stuck your neck out and, uh, and really sort of you and Lindsey Sterling are sort of the new generation of, of players that are, you know, cause before we had, you know, you had uh, Jean-Luc Pony and yeah. Jerry Goodman and Mark Wood and Tracy Silverman, mm-hmm. sort of the OGs of this thing. Oh, and yeah. and they they really took it to a place that it hadn't been, but they hadn't gotten a billion YouTube views. They hadn't gotten yeah. on primetime television. 
they hadn't been reaching a demographic of kids that, you know, you're reaching and Black Violin is reaching and Lindsay's right. reaching and some of yes. these some of these new cats are reaching kids that um, you know, us old guys, I, I don't have access to those kids. It's crazy. It's crazy nowadays, right? Like this, it's social media has created this new age where we can actually get our our videos in front of those younger viewing audiences, right? And they can see and say, "Wow, this is cool." Where before you only had the crowd that is old enough to go to a show, right? Mm. I, I mean, you've got I've got so many comments. I mean. You always get mentions in the in like you look at Lindsay's videos or my videos and see people talking about, you know, like you said, the OGs. You're talking about John, talking about Tracy, talking about Mark, and it's it's talking about Black Violin, talking about all these guys, and it's really exciting to see that now this new demographic is coming in and you have the kids, which because to me that's always been a very important part of our community that needs to be touched on, right? It's the younger generation because they need to know. Um, what they can be, because violin is not something you pick up and and you and you're good at it the next day. So you're going to need to know what to aim for, uh, and to have it's about variety, right? And having those options to look at, uh, you know, one of my videos or look at one of Lindsay's videos and say, "Well, you mean so if I if I work hard for a few years, like." maybe even more than a few but if i work hard right and then i grow up i can do something like that not that many other people doing that maybe i want to do that yeah like that would be right. cool like you know we welcome you with open arms so uh it's i think it's always very exciting you know black violence doing like like classes like yeah their master over. classes are amazing yeah and and see this is what i'm talking about right we've got this whole new outreach that's the community um you know these are these are names that people are going to are going to be talking about for a long time. Uh, so I'm just I'm just happy to, you know, kind of have a have my space up with it, with, with them here and just that I promise I'll I'll fill out my catalog as the as the year the years go on. Yeah, I was going to ask you, uh, Spark is out. You've got some more original music coming, right? I've got a, I have a new one. I just got so I got the final master for my second one coming out in my inbox yesterday. I haven't stopped listening to it. It's awesome. gonna be called. I'll tell you guys right here. It's called it's called Rebellion, and um, it is. It's got some electric guitar. We've got some drums in there. It's it's a rocky track, but it's um, it's got a little bit of everything in there. And so I'm, I'm really excited to drop that one. And we've got a whole bunch more coming. Uh, this is. This quarantine has given me a lot of time to kind of sit at home and finish, finish off a lot of old projects. Uh, no doubt, projects needing to be finished. So, stay tuned. You know, follow my Instagram and like, you know, follow me on social media. Because once I'm already releasing a song, you you'll know. You'll definitely know. I'll I'll be telling everybody. <laughs> yeah. So, sell people if they don't already follow you. What are what are the links? The the YouTube, the Instagram, all that. Uh, follow me on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter at Brian King Joseph. It's an I B R I A N King Joseph. Uh, and then also on YouTube, subscribe to my YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash tonal tenacity, or you could just search Brian King Joseph. My channel will pop right up like that. Um, and really just everything else, guys, please like listen to me on Spotify and iTunes uh, those are important platforms if you really want to see because we're, we're really, really composing 
some, I would say, really exciting music. My, like you guys know, my goal is to do music that's new, that's interesting, that's different. And now that I'm doing original music, it's all from inside my head. And I couldn't be more excited about, you know, how it's going to make you feel. So, yeah. Thank you, yeah. man. Well, I tell people too, Spotify is cool, but we get three tenths of a cent every time you listen to our song. That's Don't be right. no freeloader. Buy that mess on iTunes. Go on Apple Music. You guys know what it is. Yeah, be be cool. Stay in school. So it's a dollar, man. It's a dollar. It <laughs> but he actually gets the dollar. He doesn't get three tenths of a cent. They actually give me the dollar, which is really, really, really helpful for me. Uh, if you listen to my music, please buy it. If you listen to any of any of our music, any violinist music, any artist music, guys, just buy it on Apple Music. I listen to look. I listen to a lot of my favorite artists on Spotify. But you know what I do? I go, go on Apple Music and I buy it just because, so that they have that money, and then I'll listen to them Spotify whenever I want. So, you guys, thank you for having me, Matt. Like this, yeah, has man. Been thanks for doing this. Wonderful. Yeah, I've I've been I've been. I've been following and watching everything you do, man, for so long. So it's it's really just such a pleasure to be a part of it. And uh, I'll be back again sometime soon talking about some more awesome stuff, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's another episode of Rockstar Violinist in the can. Thank you so much for listening. Please enjoy a sneak preview of Brian's new original single called Rebellion. It's not out yet. So it's just between our friends right now, right? So just keep this on the DL. As far as what's next for us, we've got some huge names still coming for you this year. Cannot wait for you to hear what's coming next. Please subscribe so you can be notified when we release our next Rockstar Violinist.